0: We are a brand new campus, but we have a lot going on. The video that you just watched is something called Operation Christmas Child, and this is a ministry that our church has been involved with uh, for many, many, many years. And so um, if you don't know what that is, basically all we have to do is we gotta grab a shoebox-sized box, box and uh, we just have to fill it up, okay? And they give us a list of the things that they're kinda looking for, and uh, that's really it. And so we wanna encourage you if, uh, if you would, after the service, grab a shoebox. We got them in both corners of the auditorium. And uh, take it home. And you got a couple weeks to fill those up. And you bring them back here. And through Samaritan's Purse, the ministry that does the, um, this Christmas child uh, deal, uh, they will be sent uh, throughout the world to children all over the world who, and a lot of them, haven't even experienced a Christmas before or received a present um, in their life. And so it's a very, very cool thing that we are able to be a part of. And so just want to encourage you, grab a box, fill it up, bring it back, and uh, we'll take care of the rest. And so, and also, so we got that going on, and then um, also, right after this service... We have our Connect class, and we know we got a bunch of you guys signed up for that. And so if you're looking for more information on our church, what we believe, where we came from, where we're going, our vision, that type of thing, um, this is the class for you, and we want to invite you to stay uh, after the service and come to this class. We'll even feed you lunch, all right? So that's always a good thing, but uh, we want you to stay and, um, and, and kind of learn more about our church. And it's also one of those classes, it's a class that we really require for membership. And so if that's something that you're thinking too, uh, this is something that you'll need to do anyway. Um, but even if you go to this class, it's not like you're locked down on anything or membership or anything like that. So we encourage you guys to stick around for that. And then next week, really the next two weeks, we have our baptism services. Now, baptism, at least from the New Testament, what we see is that... Um, is baptism is supposed to be done after we start the relation, our relationship with God, after we start a relationship with Jesus and accept him really into our life. And so if you haven't been baptized after you started a relationship with God, we'd like to encourage you to take this opportunity to get baptized. And so we'll be doing baptism the next two weeks, just kind of a cool thing um, that God tells us, Jesus tells us, hey, uh, do this thing as a sign to show people that uh, your identity is... Is now with me, is now in Jesus. And so we want to encourage you to do that. Now, this morning, we're going to be wrapping up our series called Why Believe. And so, for the last few weeks, we've really been looking at some solid reasons to believe. All right? And we've been doing this series for really two reasons. Um, The first reason is that we totally understand that there are people out there and you're a skeptic and you're not quite, you know, you're not like all in on the whole God thing yet. You're just trying to. Figure stuff out, you're searching for truth. Um, And so you're out there and you got questions. We totally get you got questions. Questions are good. Um, We want you to keep asking questions. We believe that there are answers to your questions. And part of our reason for doing this series is we want to help answer some of the basic questions that you might have about Christianity. And so we want you to keep coming. Um, And we believe that we can find truth in God's word and in the Bible, and you will hear that here. And so uh, keep searching. If you haven't found that yet, uh, we want you to find a relationship with Jesus. But really for the rest of us, those of us who already have a relationship with Jesus and we've accepted, you know, at one point in our life, we made the decision to follow God, um, that really this series is also for us, meaning God tells us that we need to know why we believe what we believe, right? We've looked at this verse for several of the weeks. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, regard Christ, the, the Lord, as holy, ready at any time, how often, when? He says, any time, to give a defense to who? Anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. See, what God's trying to tell us is he's saying, hey, if you are a Christian, you, um, you believe in, in, and you have that relationship with God, which isn't everybody in this room, but he's saying if you are a Christian, then your life should look different, all right? There's something different about you, something that people should want, and people should feel comfortable to come up to you and ask you, what do you believe? And we should have some sort of answer." We should know what we believe. And they should not only be able to just ask us what we believe, but they should be able to ask us why we believe what we believe. And we should have an answer prepared, an answer ready. We should know why we believe what we believe. We should have reasons. It's for us too. And so uh, this morning, I want to look at, um, again, uh, last uh, last week in the series, but this morning I want to look at um, God in relation to science. Okay, something a lot of people have questions about. Now, our culture has taught us that science and God are at odds with each other. That science and God um, cannot go together, that you cannot believe in both. You have to choose one or the other. And if you choose God, then our culture tells us that you have to deny facts. You have to deny real science. You have to deny what science says is true. And if you choose science, our culture tells us that we cannot, there's no possible way that we could ever believe in a God who created the earth. We cannot believe in that. And the thing that I want us to all to really understand today is that that thinking that we cannot choose both is simply incorrect okay that is not right we would look at science and say science is good science is great i personally enjoy you know science science is the studying is studying god's created the world the world that he has given us um, to 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 study to, to look at to enjoy i mean historically science has advanced the most in christian cultures Okay, that's the truth of it. See, science and Christianity, they do not butt heads against each other. And in fact, what I would argue is that science seems to validate the need for a God. Because science cannot answer all questions. And science doesn't answer all questions. And God answers the questions that science can't. right, Psalm 19, one, a famous verse, says this, says the heavens declare the glory of God and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. See, what God is trying to tell us here is he's saying creation or the physical world or the nature, the world around us, it's constantly showing, it is constantly revealing, it is constantly proving. Actually, when David writes this, he says it is constantly declaring that God is real, that God exists. And not only does it declare that God exists or that God is real, it also shows us God's power. The physical world shows us something about God. Now, scientists are doing really exactly what they should be doing, studying studying what God has created and learning more about the world around us. But scientific data has to be interpreted. And I think this is where um, kind of the rub comes in. So this is what we're going to do today. All right, the, uh, the next few minutes is going to feel like we're in the classroom. Is that okay? Okay, it's okay for like three people in here. The rest of you are dreading it. I'm sorry, but it's just, it's just how it is. Um, so, it's, and I know some of you guys, you've been in class all week, and so you're like, oh, not again. But just roll with me here, Okay. There are two uh, scientific, you know, scientists interpret data, scientific data, through really two philosophies in in this world, okay, two main philosophies. And that is, number one, naturalism, okay, something we probably all have heard of. And then the second one is naturalism plus, all right? See, naturalistic philosophy has this presupposition that the universe is made up of only matter and energy. The universe is only made up of those things um, that we can experience with our senses, right? Things that we can see, hear, smell, uh, touch, taste. I think I got them all, all right? That, that anything that we can experience with our senses, that that is something physical, that the, you know, that's what the universe is, is really made up of. Um, and according to naturalists, nothing exists outside of nature, okay? So if it doesn't exist in a physical form, then it just doesn't exist uh, at, at all, and so naturalism plus is, is slightly different, right? See, in addition to accepting the obvious existence of matter and energy, I mean, all of us would agree that that exists. We could see it. We can, we can experience uh, matter and energy with our senses. See, in addition to accepting the obvious existence of matter and energy, uh, naturalism plus also recognizes the reality outside of nature, that there is a supernatural reality as well. And, and most people that believe in a naturalism plus viewpoint would, uh, would believe in an intelligent being called God, okay? And he plays a role really in our life and in our universe. Now, the idea of God in general is something that most naturalists, really, or true naturalists, rejects, okay? It can't exist That's not true. And the problem for naturalism is that it cannot answer some of the basic questions that humans have been asking since the beginning of mankind. Naturalism doesn't answer all the questions, right? Questions like this. Where did I come from? Or where am I going? Or why why am I here? Or how should I live? Those are questions that naturalism cannot truly answer answer. They have no real answer to origin, destiny, or purpose, or even morality. And so you might be sitting there and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. naturalism, I mean, science and stuff, like, you know, I've been through high school or maybe uh, some college, you know, naturalism at least has answers for origin. I mean, that's like the whole evolution, you know, evolutionary theory. Like, we've all heard that, but that's technically not true. Uh, naturalism does not have, have answers for really the, the origin before all of that before the big bang my question would be where did matter come from where did matter and energy come from did it just start i mean a true naturalist would have to have to say well i don't know it, either it's eternal like god what we believe in god and they would look towards us believing that there's an eternal god is crazy but either they believe that matter is eternal or that matter just one day started to exist just popped up just began and it would have just happened with no help whatsoever, that nobody helped it happen. It just, it just happened. See, that's a problem for the naturalistic uh, thinker, right? The, the, another problem is really the first life. Naturalists would say that the first life emerged from no life with no help. See, they would say science, uh, one thing that we've learned is that really, you know, science says that life is super complex. Okay, we get that right? DNA, just DNA alone is super complex. It's so complex that if we took the smartest, you know, the smartest scientists that we have in the world today and we went to the most sophisticated labs, they cannot create life, All right? They can't even create a seed that isn't living but at least has the potential to, have, to be life someday. They just can't uh, do it. We as humans, we can't do it. But uh, naturalistic thinkers would believe, would say, that it just happened, that life just happened, and it just happened by accident. Random. It, just, it was just an accident one day it happened. And if you think about it and you look at it, this idea of life and this idea of where did matter come from, it is so improbable that it's really in the category of impossible. I mean, the odds of it are so improbable that it's really impossible. And so naturalism would look at these questions and they'd say, well, where did I come from? Well, you were just an accident through an evolutionary process, but, but the beginning of it was just really an accident. Or, or where am I going? You're really going nowhere because um, when you die, you're going to become unconscious and uh, eventually your body will be used as food by other organisms. Well, well, why am I here? A true naturalist would answer that question. They would say, well, the, reason, the real reason why you're here is really for reproduction to move the, the genes along, right, or, or how should I live, right? A true naturalist would have to say, if they were uh, remaining consistent and they were logical about it, then they would have to say, well, really, it's survival of the fittest, and you should really live in a way that is whatever you can do to survive. That's the naturalistic way. But most, a lot of people who believe in naturalism, this is what we do, um, is a lot of people, they look at these, they look at the first two questions, they're like, okay, yeah, I got that, you know, um, where did I come from, we're in an accident, where am I going, Uh, we're going to the ground and there's nothing, no life after death and all that kind of stuff. But then they look at why am I here and how should I live and they start to introduce values here. And that's what most people do, even though it's not truly naturalistic. And they start to introduce values here, which is completely um, inconsistent. Why am I here? Well, you know, you're here to help people and to make a difference in this world, or, or how should I live? Well, you should live a life of love, and you should love everybody, and you should accept everybody, really, for who they are and, and how they were made. And so, and, but those answers are not consistent with a naturalistic philosophy. And so what a lot of people do, and, you know, is we, people, we, we like to ride the fence. is We like to have both ways, but logically, you cannot do that. And so naturalism plus, on the other hand, answers those questions. Where did I come from? Well, you were made by a loving God. Well, where am I going? There's really two places God tells us where we're going, and it's either heaven or hell. Well, well why am I here? We're really here to glorify and to enjoy God. Well, well, how should I live? Well, the Bible tells us, or God tells us, we should live a life of love. This is what God tells us to do. See life is much more than biology or chemistry or physics. You really see this throughout the Bible. See there's a few concepts that naturalism cannot answer. All right, things like, like value. Let's take value, for example. Naturalism doesn't answer um, the idea of value. That's really a problem uh, for naturalism because naturalism, true naturalists, would have to say that value is an illusion. <clears throat> there is no real value. Value is just something that we make up in our own minds because in reality, what we are is we're just a, a big group of you know, molecules g- grouped together in a special way, much like a rock sitting next to us, which is a group of molecules grouped together in a certain way. There is no value. One one is not more valuable than the other because value is not physical. Value is not something that I can grab and put into a box. We cannot do that with value. Value is something that's metaphysical. It's, it's outside the realm of physical. And so naturalists would say value, true value, does not exist. And because true value does not exist, naturalism would also say that there's no real justice In this world, or there shouldn't be justice. Because who's to say what's right and wrong? Who gets to decide between right and wrong? Is it you? Is it me? Is it our politicians? I hope not. (laughs) Right? Is it our culture? Is it our society? I mean, if there's no God, then who gets to decide between what's right and what's wrong? And so justice becomes what we, meaning an individual, what we want it to be. We get to decide in our own minds what is just and what's not just. That's what naturalism would say. And the moment that we reach outside of our biology and tried to hold other biology accountable to some invisible thing that we cannot put into a box like value, we have just appealed to justice, and naturalism says that's impossible. But we see in the Bible that there is value, and we see that value is real, And that justice does exist. And it's not something that we can see, touch, smell, taste, or hear. But it still exists as much as you and me here today. See, life is much more than biology, chemistry, and physics. I mean, think about it. Right? Um, You guys, we we all value our our moms. Right? At least to a certain point. (laughs) Okay. That was rough. Hopefully your mom's not sitting in here she would not be happy after that, all right? So we value our moms. Okay, all right. Um, And so what we do, a lot of times, because we value our moms, we uh, a lot of times we get them a a card, like on Mother's Day or the birthday or Christmas, you know, just, you know, that type of things. And so we get the card, and what we don't do is when we grab the card is, and, and we write in it, you know, we do not say, hey, mom, Thank you so much for your biological contribution to my life. We don't do that. All right? We don't say, hey, mom, um, really appreciate the egg. That helped me out a lot. And if you do that, don't do it because that's super weird. I hope you don't do it. All right? That's not something we do. It Why? Because we totally understand and we totally get it. makes logical sense in our mind that our moms have really uh, contributed a heck of a lot more than a biological substance to our life. They've Contributed a lot more than biology to our life. All right? we, we get that. That makes sense. All right? They've contributed love to us. I mean, love, honestly, love's one of those other things. All right? Love is one of those things that has no physical dimension. Um, and you can't quantify love, but there is nothing more important to us as human beings than love. And if you don't feel loved, and nobody's showing you love, honestly, I would say your life's in trouble. In fact, I might even say that your life is in danger. Because love is so important to us. See, none of us in this room, none of us deny the fact that love exists. But love is one of those things that science cannot explain. See, uh, naturalism might be able to explain the reason for love. And what they would say for the reason for love is, well, love, you know, love is one of those chemical chemical processes in our brain. And love is one of those things that really is just to help with reproduction. But I would argue that and say, well, you know, I have friends that I love. And I'll tell you one thing, it's not about reproduction. Right, I have family that I love. I love my grandma. You know, love is, is love is a lot more. Love is real, and there's no simple answer for it. See, we can all feel it. And God, He actually explains what love is. John, um, one of Jesus's like right hand guys, uh, one of the disciples, actually talks <clears throat> talks about this, and he says that we need to have love for each other, just like God had love for us. And if we need to love as God has loved, then we should wonder, then the question should come up, well then, how did God love us? Right? How did God love? And John actually answers that in First John chapter 4, verse 9. He says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. He's saying, this is how God showed us love. Okay? God sent his one and only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. See, we ask, what is love? What's this thing that we can't put into a box, we can't quantify it, it doesn't physically exist, right? it's something that science cannot explain or science cannot answer, what is it? And John's saying, hey, God didn't just tell us what love is, he's saying God showed us what love is. God demonstrated to us what true love is. And he did that by coming down to the earth, to this ball of dirt that we live on. And he ended up dying for us, giving up his life for us. And really, that's what John here is trying to get us to understand. He's saying Jesus came knowing that he was going to be killed, but he still came because he wanted to give us life so that we could experience really true love John explains even further in the next verse. He says, love consists in this. He's saying, hey, this is what love is. Okay, we ask this question, what is love? Something science can't answer, what is it? He says, this is, love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, he's, what John is trying to get us to understand is, he's saying, God doesn't have this reciprocal kind of love. He's saying, he, he, meaning that he, God didn't love us only because we loved him back. That's not, that's not how it worked. All right, I don't know if you're like me. Um, maybe you are, maybe you're not. I don't, and this is not a good thing. I'm just going to start off with this. I'm not saying, hey, this is great. Good job, Zach. I'm saying, no, this is bad. Okay? And I shouldn't do this, but this is, this is just how it is. Um, but uh, I don't know. Sometimes I'll meet somebody and I could tell right off the bat, I'm like, yeah, me and you, were. We'll never be friends. Anybody? You guys know what I'm talking about? And again, I'm not saying that's great. Um, I'm saying sometimes I meet somebody and I'm like, hey, me and you, we're just different. We view life differently. We do life differently. We have different viewpoints. We got different opinions. Me and sometimes I'll be like, you know, me and you, we're just completely opposites. We will never be friends. Kind of like when I first met AJ, right? <laughs> just kidding. I just happened to see you. And so I was like, eh. Um. We're just different, and so when that happens, what I've noticed, and I was like trying to put this all into words on Friday, and when I'm like looking back at my life, what I've noticed is when that happens, when I'm like, okay, yeah, me and you were just completely different. Um, those types of people annoy me, and so yeah, we're you know we're not gonna, uh, I'm not like we'll never be good friends, we'll never have a relationship. What I realize what I do is I don't even try. Like it's just like right off the bat, I'm like, yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're never going to be anything, and so, you know, we'll never have, like, that friendship or relationship or whatever, so I don't even try. And frankly, I don't even care. Again, not necessarily a good thing. It's not a good thing. I'm a sinner, just like all the rest of us, right? But then sometimes I can look back at my life and I can point out certain people that I originally had that thought with, where it's like, hey, we're different. You know, I'm not even going to try. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to, you know, nothing will work happen here, and, but then sometimes that person will, like, do something super nice for me or will serve me in some way or will give me something or maybe they'll defend me against somebody else, and all of a sudden, my thinking about them completely changes, where it's like, oh, John, John's, John's not so bad, all right? Yeah, sure, we do life different and we disagree on things, but I kind of like John, all right? But think about it. If we dig down deep, and when that happens, when that happens with me, as I was Thinking about this for myself, I'm like, the only reason why I like John or whoever it is is only because they like me first. I mean, that's the only reason. Right? It's only because they did something. The only reason why I would hang out with them or spend time with them is, only, you know, uh, on purpose or whatever is only because they did that to me, because they served me, because they gave something to me, because they defended me, because they, you know, it, it's something like that. And God is saying, hey, it's really a reciprocal type of love. It's reciprocal. I only like them because they like me first. And God is saying, hey, that is not what I did. He's saying, that is not, that is a human problem. He's saying, that is not what I did. I loved you not because you loved me first. And if we think, if we like dig down deep, and if we truly think about it, I think we would realize that I don't think we love God that much. I think we struggle with this. We aren't good at true love, like if we were to think deep in our hearts. I mean, we're constantly doing what God tells us not to do. I don't think we truly love God all that much. We feel love, we know love exists, we know it's a real thing, but our love is nothing compared to God's love for us, it doesn't even compare. See, Jesus came to die not because we're so good at loving Him. We aren't. But because He has true love for us. Let me just pause here for a second and explain something real quick. Just because we feel love does not mean we fully understand it. Does that make sense? Just because we feel love does not mean we fully understand. It's kind of like when you're a teenager. Think back. Let's all take a trip down memory lane to middle school. All right? That guy or girl that you like, you know what I'm talking about, in middle school, you feel like you love him. But is that true love? No. But we think it is. We think we're in love with that person. See, I don't think we've changed all that much. I think we are still in a similar situation Today. See, many people say, they say, you know, God is love. God is love, so you shouldn't offend anybody, or you can't tell me what to do, or you can't tell people when they're wrong, because God is love. God is love, so you have to agree with everyone. God is love, God is love, God is love, so you have to accept me for who I am. you got to accept what I think, and you got to do all this stuff. And really, when people, when they're saying God is love, what I think a lot of us mean is we actually mean that love is God in our life, which is completely different. See what we do is we turn love into god in our lives. We make love number 1. And it's not even true love really because we fully can't understand what true love is. What it really is is our skewed perception of what we think love might be. And we turn that into the god in our life. And love ends up becoming our god. Love ends up becoming our number 1 thing on our hierarchy of values, right? In our life. Well, love. In a it ends up becoming our God. And again, our definition of love is often super messed up. It is. And has no place being our number one thing. It has no place being our God in our life. See, the Bible actually says, actually John says, in just a few verses later, John says, hey, God is love. It's not love is God. And John, he actually finishes up this thought in 1 John 1. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 11, he says, dear friends, if God loved us in this way, meaning if God loved us so much that he came down and he showed us what true love is, he says we also must love one another or each other. You see, and because God loves us, he showed us what real love looks like and we too need to love each other. And this, us needing to love each other, this gives us meaning and this gives us purpose. By the way, two other things that science cannot answer. Science cannot give us purpose. Science cannot give us true meaning. See, what I'm saying is the fact that we can love, the fact that God tells us to love, this makes our life matter. Meaning we are an accident. That God has given us specific value that there can be justice in this world, that we do have meaning, that love is real. See, what I'm saying is God answers questions that science can't. Where did I come from? Well, you were made by a loving God. Why am I here? We're here to glorify and to enjoy God. Well, how should I live? Well, you should live how God tells us to live, which we should live uh, having a life full of love, like God says. I mean, think about it. Aren't you glad that you're not an accident? Man, you guys are rough this morning. (laughs) Aren't you glad that you're not an accident? Yeah. Aren't you glad that your life can have meaning and purpose? That your life means something. See, we've been going through this series called Why Believe? And again, we've been looking at some solid reasons to why we should believe what we believe. And first we talked about how we should believe because God wants us to. God wants us to know him. He wants us to have a relationship with him. Then we talked about the Bible and how God has given us the Bible. He didn't have to, but he gave it to us and because he's trying to reveal himself to us. He wants us, again, that's how, he, that's how he gets us to the point where we can know him. So he's given us the Bible, and the Bible is reliable, and we can rely on it, and it is authentic. It's freakishly authentic. Why I believe? Because Jesus claimed to be God. Because there's really only three options there. Either Jesus was a liar, or he was crazy, or he was actually God. There's no other option. Why believe? Because God promises to provide. Because God, he he promises to give us or provide for us our needs. And because of that, we don't have to worry. We don't have to spend our time worrying. And why believe? Because God answers questions that... We as humans can't answer, not on our own, not with science, not with anything else. See, God has given us so many reasons to believe, and he wants us to know why we believe what we believe. He wants us to have reasons to believe. He doesn't just want us to have blind faith. So why do you believe? I don't know. I just I believe, you know, it's like the super Christians, they're like, well, oh, I just have faith. Good for you. You know that's not what God wants us to. God wants us to have reasons. He wants us to know why. And it's not just for us. I think that's a lot of a lot of times that's what we miss. It's not just for us. Is it for us? Yeah, partly we can have peace, right? We can um, have assurance that that that. You know, that God is real, that we could trust in Him, which is awesome. We don't have to worry, that kind of thing. But it's also for those who are lost that are around us. And that's the part that I feel like we as Christians, we as believers, forget about so often. We forget that there are people around us who are lost that are asking these questions, that are searching for answers. Questions like, Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? How? Should I live? And we can help lead them to the truth. Because God has given us the truth. There are answers out there. God wanted us to have answers. Because he cares about us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this church, and thank you that we can come here and get to know you uh, better, Lord, and we thank you that you revealed yourself to us in the Bible, and you gave that to us, and we thank you for loving us. You didn't have to love us, but you do for some reason, and Lord, we thank you for giving us purpose, for giving us meaning. We thank you that you are able to answer questions that we as simple human beings cannot answer. Science can't answer. We can't answer. But you can. And God, you only do that because of your love for us. We thank you for showing us what true love looks like so that we can love those around us. God, thank you for this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.